0: And more radio. I touch my shoulder, I touch my hair. Starts now.
1: And I said, what in the hell is that? Mommy, scared. Yeah. Spirits and more radio starts now. Let the midnight special shine a light. Let the midnight special Shine a light on me And
0: welcome to episode Let 27 We're special. going to be talking about the creatures that uh, roam around North America Our guest today is Lyle Blackburn Let the midnight
1: special Shine a love loving light on me
0: Turn down the lights If
1: you dare Spirits and more radio
0: and I'm your host Steve Rowan and uh, welcome to spirits and more radio Uh, We've got a good show today lined up Uh, what what we're doing is something we haven't done before I mean this is episode 27 and we haven't gotten to this but i wanted to find a guest that would be uh you know really great and have a lot of good info and one name kept coming up over and over again and that was uh lyle blackburn so he's going to be joining us on the show here in a moment but before we get to that i wanted to play a clip from a movie from the 80s that sort of falls right in line with uh this whole topic of bigfoot creatures and things out in the night so uh let's have a listen right now
1: you you want to see something really scary? You bet. Really? Yeah. Okay, this is this is really really scary now. I trust you. Okay, pull the car over. Pull the car over. Ooh. You want to see it? Well, show me while I'm driving. No, I can't. I can't tell you about it. It's only take a couple of seconds. All right, two seconds. Okay. Okay. What is it? Just pull it over. Okay. I'll show you. All right. me. Are you
0: ready? Okay, go ahead. What are you doing? So, uh, so I have a question for you, Lyle. Do you recognize that?
1: Yes, that is Twilight Zone the movie.
0: Yeah, that's right. And uh, that was that was sort of. Uh, if you guys haven't seen that, you can go on YouTube and pull that up. Just pull up Twilight Zone movie scary and you'll get to see that i think that was dan Aykroyd uh that was in that scene but uh yeah so hey welcome to the show i'm glad to have you uh on spirits and more radio and uh you know i think uh your your background gosh it goes back how far how far have you been uh involved in researching bigfoot and creatures and things like that
1: well in a serious manner i would say a decade um you know, but I've always had an interest in that, and always an interest in scary things. In fact, that that little clip of the movie, I since I saw that the Twilight Zone the movie in the theater, I, I continually say that line. You want to see something really scary? <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> yeah. People,
1: you know, don't know the reference, like what? You know, but, <clears throat> but yeah, that I can appreciate that, and uh, you know, just always been into. Um, monsters from whether they're movie monsters or something that really captivated my imagination was that quote unquote monsters that could be real something that, uh, w- you know, you could run across in the woods. So something I've always enjoyed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think what gets lost and, you know, there's so many shows on TV now about, you know, tracking Bigfoot and, and those sorts of things. But when we were kids and used to go camping, You know, uh, there's so many noises in the forest and, and you can't help but think about Bigfoot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I still have that kind of childlike, you know, wonder about the subject, you know, because back then it was kind of scary. I mean, you didn't kind of you didn't think of it scientifically or you know, the impact it would have if one of these creatures was discovered. You just thought, oh my gosh, it's scary. There's a giant ape. And if I saw that in the woods, that would freak me out. So in, in some ways, I still appreciate that. And in my books and, and things, you know, I, I like those elements of, of the unexpected and, and the frightening and the possibilities of what it would be like to see one of these creatures in real life if they do indeed exist.
0: Yeah, I think that gets lost, you know, the fear factor, you know, when people are out there with cameras and they got a rifle on their side and, you know, you're out there, like you said, they get real scientific about it. But the but the reality is, is that if anybody or anybody who has seen a Bigfoot close up, uh, you know, and we'll talk about those stories uh, that you may have interviewed people, but You know, I don't. I think most people would have a hard time keeping it together. And in reality, if you saw something, you know, ten feet tall, three foot wide, chest eight hundred pounds, you know, I mean, it's it probably you know same instincts you would have if you came across like a big tiger or something in the woods or the jungle. You know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm always suspect of the witnesses that you know treat it so nonchalant, like it was a friendly. You know, I, I can't say for sure if you, you know, if this person did see one up close, I'm sure they got their own vibe. But, you know, even if it was, you know, not aggressive or or just simply standing there, you're right. If you ran across a gorilla or a tiger, your, your, your natural instincts would be, you know, on edge and you would feel a rush of fear. And I think seeing one of these things, especially something that's supposed to not exist and it, you know, it's seven or eight feet tall – ape-like man-like standing on two legs i don't care how <laughs> what you think about bigfoot i think that would be um you know very startling and f- frightening experience
0: yeah definitely so um i get walk us through how you came to start to research this seriously i mean was was the inspiration uh a desire to know if this thing was real, you know, because there's been so you know, people have been talking about this stuff I think that some of the early accounts are 40s, 1950s, maybe probably earlier, but uh, you know um, there as time has gone on and as technology has allowed us to you know, uh, see and record and capture everything uh, you know, what was the driving factor for you to, to get serious and dedicate, you know a portion of your life to this?
1: Um, I think it was a little bit of both, just um, Bigfoot in general and specifically on a case that uh, is something closer to me. Um, you know, early on as a kid, you know, I would read the books and things and, you know, kind of a childlike approach. And then I've always sort of been fascinated with it and, you know, read books and watch documentaries and things. Um, and then uh basically all my life i've been a a musician and a writer that's how i've made my living both touring and playing in a band you know around the world and in between and somewhat i was talented at writing so i'd write for rock magazines and horror magazines and things and um at some point i you know i had the desire to write my own book and i thought what is my favorite subject? You know, what would I write a book about? And I, I went back to an old movie called The Legend of Boggy Creek, which was kind of a horror docudrama Bigfoot movie from the 1970s, which I saw in a drive-in when I was a little kid. And for me, that really captivated my imagination because whereas Bigfoot, uh, to me, was something far away, Pacific Northwest, because I lived in Texas, this case... Uh, with the legend of Boggy Creek occurred in southern Arkansas, only about three hours from where I lived, and in this case, the creature was kind of a uh, a more frightening version of Bigfoot, uh, bipedal ape-like thing that was supposedly attacking people. Um, and when the movie was made, it kind of reenacted these these accounts, and it was you know super frightening to not just me but everybody that saw it back then. And so it was based on a true story, and I knew there had been newspaper accounts and and things like that. So I thought, you know, that would be really cool because, you know, what, what was true about that? So now I kind of came at it as an adult and thought, you know, it's a cool story, but what, you know, what is the truth about it? And that's where I kind of started doing the serious research. I'd kind of, preceding that, I'd kind of been looking into Bigfoot and seeing what people were doing in my area of Texas. And then when I started you know, doing investigative journalist type of work towards towards it, that's that's really when I became uh, involved in that. And that was probably, that was literally a little more than 10 years ago when I, when that started. So, uh, you know, that's been, and, and of course, I ended up writing the book, The Beast of Boggy Creek, which covered that topic. And and that's what kind of put me on the map in, in this realm.
0: Right, right. So um, when you went out to, to look for evidence, were you surprised by what you found, or does it did, was it sort of uh, fizzle out as far as like tangible tangible evidence?
1: Well, I think you know, in, in there's two aspects to this. You know, first, I was, you know, considering what evidence there was for Bigfoot in general, and for what there was in the case of what's called the Falk Monster. It's a little town called Falk, and that's the legend of Boggy Creek area, um, and you know i was i was searching for witnesses that had claimed to see it and so i started interviewing people firsthand um with their accounts and you know i found that by doing that i mean it's different than when you read it in a book or read it online it's like i'm speaking to the actual person and it it really <clears throat> kind of focused things and made it much r- more real because a lot of these people seem very credible seem very s- you know, the average folks, maybe they didn't even believe in Bigfoot or the Falcon Monster before having this experience. So on that account, from a anecdotal you know, approach, I was thinking, okay, there's something to this. And then I started looking at what evidence there was. And then there were um, some old track castings, there were some newer tracks that had been cast and things like that, which um coupled with my you know my interviews with the people who had experienced this or found these tracks uh, you know I, I was of the mind that hey there's something to this you know we can't prove what it is at this point but i had no doubt that people were seeing something strange and it was hard to explain some of these tracks and other things that people had found so for me it was like okay Yeah, there's something to this, and which obviously made it more intriguing to investigate.
0: Yeah, so so what was for people who don't know the story, what is what was the original sighting that sort of made the news?
1: Well, um, this in May of 1971, uh, there was an incident. Right near the small town of Falk, and this is southwest Arkansas, close to Texarkana. That's the closest metropolitan area. And Falk is just um, a very, very small town. I mean, you barely know – you would know it if you pass, pass through it. And it's on the edge of the Sulphur River Bottoms, which is a, a vast area of hardwood habitat in a very swampy, remote area. And some people that had moved into uh, a rent house there – over the course of a week, they began to realize that something had been stalking around the house, had been coming up on the porch. Um, They had caught, you know, vague glimpses of it. And, you know, obviously there's wild animals and things in this area, but uh, they could tell that this was something that was walking upright. It was big. You know, when they ruled out that it wasn't a person, you know, they were left with what kind of animal is this? And, this kind of culminated on a Saturday night in which the thing was creeping around again. And uh, three of the men that were living there confronted it with a shotgun and took some shots at it. And the thing ran off in the woods and um, they were out there, you know, looking around to see if they had hit it, looking for blood. And one of the guys got spooked. So he started heading back up to the house. And at that point, whatever this thing was came from around the house and grabbed him and he fought with it for you know, a few seconds or whatever, and and nearly just jumped through the screen door of this home. And he was in so much shock, and he was injured, and they took him to the Texarkana Hospital. Um, And of course, once you go in there and say you were attacked by a monster in Falk, that quickly got into the news, and newspaper reports started coming out. And from there, you know, there was. In the subsequent weeks, there were other sightings of people, credible residents in the area saying they had seen some kind of an ape like creature run across the road, um, a lot of times near this little waterway called Boggy Creek. And, uh, you know, once these things got it printed and the newspaper reporters were down there talking to people, then it, then it kind of became known that there had been sightings down there for years. A lot of the residents, the old timers, the people that lived out in, along the Sulphur River had been seeing it, they just hadn't reported it to the news. I mean, who who do you tell about something like this? So, uh, that kind of built the backstory for it, and then there in 1971, there was just a bunch of sightings, and that inspired a local would-be director, Charles B. Pierce, to come down and start shooting what was at first going to be a documentary, but that ended up as sort of a horror movie docudrama called The Legend of Boggy Creek. And so, Uh, This all occurred in the early 70s, and it's certainly one of the most famous Bigfoot cases, uh, you know, that's ever been.
0: Yeah. So, when you went out there to to investigate this, I mean, did you make an attempt to track down some of those people that were in that house?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was, you know, I sort of collected all the newspaper articles that I could and then started trying to track down any of these original witnesses or people who had been involved in the movie. Um, and it was successful with some of them. I mean, it was, it's old, so a lot of the original folks have passed away um, or, in, in some cases, just wouldn't talk about it anymore. You know, they had uh, you know, had bad experiences and, uh, you know, made fun of, and newspaper people had asked them enough questions. They just wouldn't talk. So, uh, as far as the people that lived in the house, the Ford family, um, that, the guy that got attacked, he had, been, he had passed away. Um, but you know, there, there's a lot of, there was a lot of records and documentation and some, uh, guy by the name of Smokey Crabtree that had done a lot of research in the area. So I was able to kind of network through that and interview other witnesses and, and even some of the, you know, some accounts that it weren't in the movie that nobody had ever known about. So, uh, putting all of that together, it kind of built the, the case for, you know, the backstory and the fact that, the movie while it's sensationalized and kind of horror film, it's based on actual real sightings.
0: Right. Right. Now, when you went to, you know, as you were sort of interviewing people, um, I would imagine you wanted to take an approach where you sort of rule out, you know, what might be a hoax, you know, what the motivation might be for a group of people to make this whole thing up. Uh, what sort of, uh, things sort of steered you one way or the other on the truthfulness of this story.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's a part of it, because, you know, you have to kind of look at, you know, here's the case, and then, it, then kind of analyze all the things that people have offered up as explanations. And among those is certainly hoax, and that always plays into especially small rural town Cases. Um, one of those was that supposedly moonshiners had created this monster in order to keep people out of the woods. Um, you know, I looked into that, and, and it just really held no water. Nobody could come forth with any actual first person and saying they, you know, dressed up in a suit. They could, you couldn't, you know, a moonshiner that said that was their plan. It it really made no sense. That's rugged woods. There was nobody coming through those woods you know it wasn't tourists coming down there or anything there was no reason to create a monster and as well um you had you know supposedly the moonshiners had made up all these sightings well i had people that i found that had sightings in the same time period that knew nothing about the Falk monster and weren't moonshiners i mean these were third parties that sort of corroborated the other sightings um so that that just didn't you know, hold water. Plus, the more you investigated, the more you could find that these these accounts had gone back at least a century. So, you know, there was a few people. Yeah, my my cousin, he's the fowl monster. It's like, well, your cousin is really old, and he's been doing this for a long time, <laughs> and he's really crazy because I had several hunters who reported seeing it from their from their uh, deer stand. Who were too scared to shoot it because they said it looked too human-like. No, no person in their right mind down in Falk, they know how many hunters are in the woods. Nobody's going to put on a Bigfoot costume and go into the Sulphur River bottoms and walk around. You would be shot. Yeah. And, you know, that, that none of that made any sense. And so you often have people trying to take claims for being the creature, but they, they themselves weren't even aware of how long – of a history these sightings dated back so you know you could rule out hoax it wasn't some master plan it is what we weren't talking about you know a couple of sightings where you know could could or could be a hoax we're talking about years worth of credible sightings that corroborated each other in one area
0: interesting so when you went out there and talked to these people uh what are some of the more recent uh sightings in the area
1: well, you know, that, that question always comes up, especially if somebody hasn't uh, read the book or if they haven't watched the film. Most people don't realize that the sightings have continued. They kind of know of the legend of Boggy Creek and kind of think of it as a 1970s case. Um, but once the you know the movie played out and the hubbub wore off and the news was kind of sick of carrying it, Nobody really reported the sightings. There wasn't a public forum back then. So um, the sightings, I mean, the latest one I have is from October of this year in in which uh, some local residents were driving on the little Highway 71 that's south of Falk, pretty close to Boggy Creek, when they saw this upright thing run out and run across the road, you know, very quickly and with very few strides and run on two legs uh, down a side street. And they were kind of freaked out and ended up trying to turn around and, and come back and follow it. But it had run out through these, uh, uh through the woods and into the trees towards this uh, bayou out there. And uh, you know, these usually it's folks who are very are aware of the, you know, the creature sightings, but don't often put much stock in them until they themselves see something and can't explain it. So, um, you know prior to that you had uh, within say the last three years I've had a number of good sightings one of them was by a newspaper carrier uh, that was delivering newspapers um, there near Falc and uh, same kind of thing it was like 4 a.m. and she's kind of moving slow with her window down and she sees something step off uh, out of the woods up towards the road it was standing on two legs um, and then it Darted out and ran across and and ran into some trees and uh, she was able to see it pretty well in the headlights and was fairly certain it wasn't a person um, and you know if you kind of rule out somebody in a in a suit then you you're only left with a few explanations. it wasn't a bear, it wasn't a cougar, it wasn't uh, a figment of imagination, so um, yeah, these sightings just continue on and on, and some of them are very credible. And obviously now, because I'm known for it, when there is a sighting, it's, it's easy to talk to the person, not like going back you know, 50 years. This is very current, and I'm able to investigate it very quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what I was sort of thinking is that, uh, you know, how do you get, how do you find people, you know, you go to the local diner and say, you know, who's seen something strange? I mean, how do you even, how do you even get to those people that might have these stories that, you know, they saw something, you know, was strange, but, you know, they had no explanation and they moved on, you know?
1: Yeah, well, I often joke I should have a, you know, the... The boggy creek or lyle blackburn hotline where people can just you know dial in and report the creature they've seen but yeah uh, you know press one for bigfoot press two for <laughs> lake monster press three for chupacabra and, yeah but you know really once once I- as far as the boggy creek case once you know once uh, the book had come out and i had appeared on several television shows that covered that case um you know, I just became known as the Boggy Creek guy. So all those sightings usually get routed to me one way or another, whether it's, I mean, I've had, uh, you know, city officials in Falk put people in touch with me because they would, you know, somebody would report it to the sheriff's office or the, you know, the town officials or whatever. And they'd say, well, you need to talk to Lyle Blackburn. And so, um, those are easy to get. And just really on a, on a daily basis, I get all kinds of messages from uh, people all around the country that have seen things. And, you know, that's just come from me being, I guess, a, a notable person in this sort of research, you know, having been on TV shows and documentary films and having put out a bunch of books that people, once you do that, people kind of know you. And if they think you're the kind of serious researcher that they would like to share their story with, Then, you know, they're going to contact you and and fill you in on the details. So I'm constantly kind of chasing down leads all over the country, really, of all sorts of strange sightings of strange creatures. Yeah. One
0: thing uh, that I wanted to ask you is do you think that uh, once an area becomes known for having, you know, a creature or there's folklore about something in the area, do you think that people are maybe a little bit hypersensitive and and you get a lot more calls when people are are in that area versus, say, some remote part of another state?
1: Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, it has a probability to... You know, make people see something and kind of interpret it as uh, something that maybe they wouldn't have if they didn't know about that case. Um, usually, that ha- in in my experience, it's usually people, not the locals. I mean, all the locals are aware of it. They're 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 less likely to overreact or to interpret something as the Falk monster when it's not. It's it's these it's other people that go down there. Cause I've been in those woods. I've been in the sulfur river bottoms over and over for a decade, you know, and I haven't, I haven't very often found things or heard things. I mean, th- these are not something you can just go there one time and, you know, have a sighting. It doesn't work like that. Um, so when I, you know, when, when, a some new Bigfoot group, you know, plunges into the forest out there and they come back with three or four sightings and this and that, it, 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 to me, it's it's they're they've got it on their mind, and they, you know, they may have seen something, you know, that was strange, but those those get interpreted, I think, too liberally as you know solid sightings of the creature. Um, when in right. fact these things are are rare. I mean, I you know I I go in the town, and, and now I know so many people, and I know a lot. I know a lot of hunters that walk those woods, that live in those woods, and you know they'll they'll say you know well you know 10 years ago something weird happened and they'll tell me but these are people that are there every day and if you know you, you know so i'm suspect of people that go there for the purpose of seeing it and in one magical day suddenly they see it so you you got to be skeptical of of those type of things i like i like the reports from average people better especially people who don't believe in bigfoot because they're less likely to interpret things in that lens than somebody who is, you know, wanting so bad to see
0: one. Right, right. And don't don't you think that happens with television too? I mean some of the you know the shows obviously where they're out there. I mean how many hours of nothing footage, you know, do they record before somebody throws a stick or something to get a reaction?
1: Oh yeah. I mean the television is is a a minefield of of just nonsense. I mean I've been on Quite a few shows, and I'm very selective about the ones I do for that very thing. That you know, they need to create something dramatic and something for entertainment, and that's what they're about. They're about entertainment, so you have to be careful about which shows you put too much stock in. I mean, and they're fun and everything, but uh. Yeah, they're they're for entertainment and certainly they filmed a ton of hours of stuff and and then yeah, they need to throw a stick because they got to have something, you know.
0: <laughs> right, right. Um so eh- now, you your books. Uh, you you went on to write a couple more books. Beyond Boggy Creek was the next one, and it was uh, in search of the Southern Sasquatch. And I think that's uh, you know for some people that's a new concept. If if you're you think of Bigfoot in the Pacific Northwest, and you know the stories come out of there, uh, and then now you're talking about you know you you ended up doing research all through the South, as you say, in the Deep South, and, and came across a lot of stories, right?
1: Right. Yeah, the The premise for that was that, you know, I had, you know, been, became known with the Boggy Creek case, and it was certainly, you know, the most famous among the Southern Bigfoot type accounts, but there's, there's so many other great cases and equally fascinating um, histories of sightings all over the Deep South that, you know, those, you know, those just didn't have a famous movie or something, so they're less known. So I, I, I kind of uh, took that as the scope, which I covered about roughly ten states, um, it, what, what would be considered the Deep South, from you know, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, all the way over to Florida, and just examine the history uh, of sightings of you know unexplained bipedal creatures. Uh, Bigfoot-like creatures. And sure enough, there is a lot of history and a lot of sightings that date back many years, as well as a lot of modern encounters that uh, suggest that the Bigfoot or a species of Bigfoot-type creatures has existed in these little pockets of swamps and uh, mountainous foothills and Places like that in the South all this time. So Bigfoot is not just in the Pacific Northwest, but really there's sightings anywhere, whether there's whether there's forestry and, and swamp areas all over the U.S. Right, and you're
0: and you're from Texas, so uh, you know a lot uh, for people who have a vision of what you know the terrain in Texas looks like. Uh, are there places in Texas where there have been sightings?
1: Absolutely, it's it's one of the highest rated places, and what people don't <coughs> me. What people don't usually realize is how forested Texas is. You know, you kind of think of it as ranch lands and uh, stuff like that. And certainly, you know, f- far west Texas, you have a desert type c- terrain and central Texas is kind of scrub, scrub brush and, um, you know, sparse, more sparse trees. But in the east, it's, it's the piney woods. It's very heavily forested and only second to Alaska in, in square footage of forestry. And as you get out to the border of Louisiana, it starts getting very swampy. So most people don't think about that part of Texas and perhaps not coincidentally, you have a long history of sightings of ape-like creatures uh, in the eastern portion of Texas where it makes the most sense. And the places where it doesn't make very much sense, like in the plains and in the western portions, you don't have very many reports. So. It kind of corroborates itself in a way, and and Texas surprisingly has a lot of uh, these type encounters.
0: Yeah. What What is one of your favorite as you think back over the stuff that's uh, you know been reported there in your home state? Uh, are there any that stand out that really sort of uh, you know chill you a little bit?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's certainly a number of them. Um, one of my one of my favorites and one that I kind of kick off uh, beyond Boggy Creek with uh, was reported by a hunter, uh, in, in far East Texas, nearly on the border of Louisiana near, uh, where the Sabine river, uh, draws the border between the two states. Um, this guy was hog hunting one morning in the spring and he said, uh, you know, he had thrown out some, some old, uh, You know, produce or something out there to lure in the hogs, and uh, he got up in his tree stand before light. And then, as he was sitting there, he could, you know, the sun was starting to come up, and he could hear some hogs uh, coming up, you know, towards towards the area. And I thought, okay, this is good. And then, out of the corner of his eye, to the right, he he. catches a glimpse of something moving between the trees and as the hogs got closer uh, he realized that whatever this was was stalking them and he finally got a a good enough look at it and kind of put his scope up and he could see it was some sort of an ape-like creature that was kind of moving stealthily uh, between the trees and getting you know going towards where the hogs were uh, coming And, you know, of course, the guy's just thinking, what, you know, what the hell is this? You know, he'd been in the woods hunting for years and had never seen anything like it. And uh, as he watched, almost in horror, these hogs came up and started eating that produce. And he said this thing, he watched it move up until it got close enough that it literally leaped in the air, jumped on one of the hogs, grabbed it. The other hog scattered. He said it picked this thing up and just threw it against a tree and killed it. And, uh, you know, he's watching the whole time, just, you know, trying to rationalize in his mind what it is he's seeing. And he said the thing, you know, grabbed the hog and he picked it up just like a pillow. It was nothing, you know. And uh, at this point, he's kind of debating, should I shoot this thing? Should I not? He's holding the scope up. And, you know, he's kind of thinking, well, you know, running this through his mind, you know, it, it, what if I don't hit it? What if I miss it? You know, it, what if it's a person? It looks so human, yet I know it's it's not, you know, it, it looks like Bigfoot. And he said at that point, all of a sudden, this thing apparently sensed him or smelled him or something, and it it turned and looked right up. And he's sitting in a tree on a tree stand, and this thing looked right at him. And, you know, he's sort of frozen for a moment just sitting here. Yeah. And by now he's thinking, I'm not going to shoot it. You know, this thing will kill me if I don't drop it. And so he said the thing looked up, it kind of bared its teeth. And then you heard this kind of whooping noise coming from a distant, uh, from the distant woods. And this thing kind of whooped back, picked up the hog and just disappeared into the woods and he said, you know, he just sat there for a while, frightened to death before he got the nerve to get up and crawl down out of the tree stand and get out of there. You know, and of course I said, well, why didn't you shoot it? I mean, obviously you could prove this thing once and for all. He said, you know, it just, it was just something too manlike about it. There was something in its eyes. And as it looked at me, I just, I just couldn't shoot it, you know, and he said, wow. scared as I was. So that one just always sort of has, to me, has everything. A good sighting, it was kind of scary, and put the person in a position where they had to debate whether they wanted to shoot this thing and prove it or whether they thought it was best to just leave it be. And that, that's that's what he did. So. Wow.
0: So do you think that, uh, you know, I, I there's a lot of um, speculation, I think, about... Uh, you know, what What these creatures are, you know, is this thing, uh, you know, like, um, you know, just an animal, you know, like a human, you know, animal type thing or, you know, people start to talk about, um, you know, multidimensional creatures because nobody shot it. But maybe as he described, you know, this is sort of... Uh, almost like a power it kind of has you looks in your eyes you know <laughs> sort of uh gets to people where they can't they just freeze up to what do you how do you feel about that
1: yeah i mean it's it's just hard it is hard to explain what these are and i mean i i kind of start at the ground level of these are some sort of their are biological entities they're uh, some sort of a species of you know ape um, that has managed to remain elusive uh, this this long, um, and, and you know people say that's impossible, but but it's not. I mean, animals can be amazing, and it doesn't take a big population of these things for them to exist. And you know, it's you know you can't walk out in the woods and find a cougar. You know, I've been h- hunting and traipsing in the woods all my life. I've never seen a cougar come up on a cougar, and but they're out there. You know. Um, but uh, that being said because you know so far it's been we've been unable to pr- approve uh, prove this that you know more extreme theories start to come into play of people thinking well maybe they're interdimensional maybe they have weird powers or whatever to try to explain how we can we've seen them but we can't you know get a body we can't prove it or or when, when it comes down to it, the hunters cannot shoot them. Although I do have reports where hunters said they shot at them and uh, you know they either you know, didn't phase them or whatever was the case. So th- in fact, there's a group of hunters right there in that Sabine River area where this guy had a sighting. These guys are legit hunters and they've been down there trying to shoot one for years because they realize that the only way to prove it is to shoot one. And they've had a lot of good sightings. And even then... These are very skilled hunters. They've never been successful in shooting one. Right. It's hard enough to have a sighting. Um, so you know, for me, I, I just kind of, without having seen one up close or without having anything else, I just still operate under the assumption that they're they are a, they're a biological entity, you know, an amazing one that has. The ability to remain elusive, or have some higher and you know high, higher than average intelligent for an animal, perhaps that you know makes them a more wary of us. Um, you know, and the whole thing about being extra, extraterrestrial or paranormal. You know, that I can't, I, I can't blame people for having their own theories, but you know, I can't prove that, and nobody can. So, right, uh, it, it's just all up in the air. I well, think, that- at this point. <clears throat>
0: That probably has become more, come more into play as people, you know, say like with technology, with these trail cams and infrared cameras and, you know, you at some point you would think, you know, gosh, you put one of those out there, you're going to get a deer, you're going to get a cougar, you're going to see... You're gonna see animals and and you know uh i guess it i guess you could just you know explain it away with the density of the forest and you know how big the population is or not
1: right yeah that's it' all comes into play
0: so um as you kind of uh you know you when you interview like for instance that last story of the the guy with the hogs um you personally interviewed him, is that right?
1: Yes, so as well as well as several of my colleagues that also interviewed.
0: Right. So when you interview these people, I mean, you know, there is no, you know, that's in person is the best way to do that to watch the facial expressions. You know, uh, do you sort of uh, have some telltale signs that you look for? You know, as far as sincerity of the story, you know.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, there are a number of. Uh, reports and people have told me over the years i have i do not include in my books because i don't feel they're credible um it's uh, i've always just kind of had a bs meter i don't know i mean i'm not a trained you know law officer or anything that's gone through any type of training but in the subject matter and certainly after 10 years of interviewing people to me i can i can usually tell the people that are are just full of it and usually they fit they f- that's because they usually fit into a certain type of profile a certain kind of person who um for whatever reason um wants to believe that they've seen a lot of stuff uh, you know and usually they start with one bigfoot encounter and then suddenly they've seen a bunch of them and then they've seen a ufo and you know if you dig around and start asking them you can quickly figure out the ones that are full of crap and the ones that um legitimately saw something and usually i uh you know the person the again the hunter or the wildlife biologist that couldn't give a crap about bigfoot um that that one time they saw something those to me usually hold more water and uh... I don't know. I can just, uh, as I interview people, preferably in person. It, it's not always the case. Sometimes I, you know, I mean, I don't have the budget to fly all over the U.S. just to interview somebody. So you do have to talk to them on the phone or, or what have you. But even then, I've, I've kind of built these profiles of people that uh, I can just, I can just tell you whether <laughs> it, it was legit or if it was just. Yeah, yeah, I guarantee this person's also seen Mothman or whatever.
0: Right, right. So, uh, is there any similarity? I mean, we're we're referring to this, you know, these creatures as Bigfoot. Um, Bigfoot, obviously, uh, people think of a hairy, tall, large, like you know, humanoid type person or type uh, creature or or entity or whatever you want to call it. But uh, as you've sort of taken. Uh, You know, these different stories and from different states, is there always that commonality or is there some differences between what people are seeing in different places?
1: Um, To a certain degree, there's a commonality. I mean, you have, you know, the general description of a a creature that's covered in hair that looks ape-like, but can walk upright on two legs like Uh, human so you know for that it's general um, for the most part as you get into the south you often get uh, other characteristics such as the hair is longer more scraggly Um, they can appear more ape-like in some cases they have been seen running on all fours and then get up on two legs uh, things like that, and you you know when you talk skunk apes and things like that in these swampy areas, often they're even more ape-like um, and can be smaller. I've noticed that there's um, the areas where the reports seem to be, you know, not not the you know not eight foot tall Bigfoot. These are six foot tall um, ape-looking things. So those you know start to make it even more problematic to solve the mystery because now you've got not just one creature that's managed managing to be uh, elusive you've got what appears to be you know several uh, whether they're of the same species or offshoots or whatever but that that's the thing about uh, especially in the south you do have some some traits that are specific to to the southern Bigfoot and people often think that uh, southern Bigfoots are more aggressive, and that's certainly true. There's probably more reports of aggression in these areas, and, you know, that that could just literally be because of the environment, uh, you know, the, the lack of food, the more encroach, encroachment on their areas. It's, you know, it's hot and humid. If you're, you know, if you're the Boggy Creek Monster and you live near the Sulphur River Bottoms, Mercer Bayou, and you're covered in hair, you're going to be more pissed off, I think. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true, and um, and not only that, but you know, um, whatever you know, people are seeing. I mean, these things. You know, how long do they live? You know, are there babies running around, and you know that sort of thing? Uh, have you had any stories regarding like youthful uh, type Bigfoots, or more like a, a pod of them, or a family of them being sighted uh, anywhere?
1: Occasionally, I mean by and large, the reports are of a singular creature, usually an adult. Uh, but, you know, I had a report from a lady in Falk, uh, the Falk area uh, along the Sulphur River in Texas uh, from 2014. And she, in clear daylight, 10.30 a.m., she had had to make a little turnaround on this little county road. And as she was, she Startled a creature that was coming across the road, and it stopped right in the middle of the road. And she said it was five foot tall, uh, covered in you know dark brownish hair, looked uh, a looked ape like, but it was you know upright walking on two legs. And she said the thing just looked at her, and she looked at it, and it looked kind of surprised. And it just turned and ran back into the woods uh, at the edge of the road. And I was. I was kind of lucky to have gotten that report cuz you just happened to stop at this little store up there where I just happened to know somebody and she was came in there in a panic and said something about it and eventually I got to speak to her in person and she was you know she was puzzled because she said well I could tell this wasn't a person in a costume. It wasn't a kid. It was absolutely an animal. I could see its hair moving in the in the breeze. I could see it, and when it turned and ran, you know, this thing was something real. But she said, you know, I think a Bigfoot like it just wasn't very big. She said it was maybe five feet tall. I said, well, you know, you got to think about this. If if they are real creatures, they've got to grow. They they're not just pop out at seven feet tall. Um, right, right. So, so here's a woman that doesn't know anything about anything. She, she. If you're going to make up a Bigfoot sighting, you're going to say it's eight feet tall. You know, you're going to say, "Oh, it was huge. It was scary." But, you know, this person was making it very <clears throat> the details she's putting in were very natural and so there was what i I said well it's probably a juvenile it just hasn't grown up so and she was like oh my god that's even scarier because (laughs) now she's realizing uh, in her mind they're they're real and of course i wish i could see one in clear daylight but um she was very credible and you know occasionally i've got other ones where uh, i had a Guys say he heard some moaning or something going on and walked into a clearing and saw a juvenile creature who had, I guess it was distressed and had been separated from its mother. And uh, he heard something big coming through the woods and he got out of there. Um, so, you know, occasionally you, you do get reports of juveniles, which kind of corroborates things because certainly if they're real creatures, they have to have offspring.
0: Yeah, not not and not only that, but if you see a juvenile, that means its parents are somewhere nearby, you know.
1: Yeah, and that's what he said. He, you know, he's standing there, and it's a swampy area. He, heard, he said he could hear distinct footprints of uh, footsteps, boom, boom, splashing through that uh, water. There, it's it's a place called Mercer Bayou, and splashing and coming, and yeah, he he knew. He's like. I know what that is, and you know he he was out of there because uh, obviously frightening to think that you know if this if this creature is the small one, you know what is that coming through the woods
0: yeah yeah absolutely i had a, I had a friend that was camping, and uh, he woke up to some rustling noises uh, early in the morning before the right before the sun was coming up, and uh, got out of his tent and had his flashlight and Walked to see what all the ruckus was and pointed his flashlight up in a tree nearby where the sound, you know, the source of the sound was coming from. And he sees uh, two baby bears up in the tree. And so he tries to scare him off and he starts banging some chairs together as they say, well, the mother was coming back because the babies started to you know call out that they were in trouble so anyway <laughs> and that i mean that's you know just a, a bear story but uh you know same thing if you're out in the woods especially sounds like remote you know i mean although as you said uh you know people have seen them run across the roads you know in daylight so um is there uh is there a um Like team of people that you have working with you to figure this stuff out you've kind of mentioned some people help you out
1: yes uh you know i'm not a a member of any any official bigfoot organization um i had joined one early on when i was kind of looking into this but uh you know i've got i've got some guys that uh you know, good friends of mine that have a lot of experience in the woods and an interest in this subject, and uh, usually those guys go with me. Uh, and and uh, another friend of mine, a girl, in fact, that uh, we've been friends for a long time, she's she's into this. She's done a lot of the investigations with me, and she she appears a lot in my books because we've done these investigations. Um so it's just kind of a loose knit thing no no organization and i you know i like to be friends with and network with everybody from every organization so i'm not a i'm not a member of any but i have a good relationship with with everybody because you know a lot of times i get a report i can't follow up on it it's way over there or whatever so i can funnel it to some guys that i know that might want to follow up or if i get something from a certain area that way i can Talk to my colleagues who are more specialized in that area and say, hey, here was one. Have you guys got anything similar? So it's great to work with a network of people, um, but without having any of the drama of being I'm in this group or in that group or whatever. I don't care about it. Right.
0: So is there um are there any stories as I sort of think about it, are there any stories of somebody being attacked by one of these things?
1: Uh yeah. Um yeah, there's there's definitely stories of attacks. Um, they're I would say they're rare com- compared to the numbers of just mundane Bigfoot sightings, your average bigfoot sighting. But um, there are a number of cases where the Bigfoots have shown aggression. certainly the boggy creek one I spoke about. Uh, there was a case in Oklahoma up in the mountains up there, uh, Oklahoma in, in the in the, uh, eastern portion is very heavily wooded and very mountainous. Um, it has a long history of very credible Bigfoot sightings. And in in the year 2000, there was a, a family living up there that was experiencing uh, something coming around in their, their outdoor shed, stealing some venison at first, and then it was coming around uh to the house uh trying to literally like get in get in through the windows and they were they were shooting at these creatures i mean it was this big deal and i mean eventually the uh the game wardens had to come out there and and try to try to diffuse the situation the bfro was looking into it um and so these creatures were showing a lot of aggression uh, there was one. There was a, an account from Texas in which a woman said uh, she was with her husband and they had a flat tire out near Crook Lake in North Texas, and and he didn't have a cell phone or anything, so he had to take off walking back to town to get a wrecker uh, because they didn't have a spare and there was no way to get out of there. And she, as she was just hanging out there waiting in the truck, these three uh, Bigfoot creatures basically came out and approached the truck and were, were trying to pull her out of it. And uh, she, she ended up getting scarred and scraped by this altercation and went to the hospital. It was this whole thing. and Really? So, wow. Uh,
0: that, I, mean, I mean, when you've got physical, so, so there's, def, there's real records of her being injured by something.
1: Right. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't say that there was no way to say it was a Bigfoot for, for uh, you know, conclusively, but according to her story, and she was, uh, she had been somebody that some of my colleagues had interviewed um, at first, and then I, I got onto the story later, but uh, I mean, you know, there's one of those examples of where People report the creatures, you know, are not so docile as people may imagine. And if if this lady is telling the truth, I mean, it's frightening because it was a it, – it, she said it was a male and there was two females. And the male was literally trying to pull her out of the truck. <laughs> so yeah. Thinking, man.
0: Well, and, I, it, and if you think about, you know, animals, you know, the, I mean, we're – people are, you know – the tamest of them, probably. I mean, you know, if this thing is really out there and has to survive and hunt every night for food and, you know, I mean, that's not necessarily uh, hey, how you doing kind of attitude, you know, I mean, animals, you know, just like a tiger or anything else, you know, they want to, they need to eat.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, people, you know, I think because of the pop culture, pop culture view of Bigfoot and, you know, they make it look like a friendly creature and all this stuff you know that that kind of belies the fact that if it is a real animal, you know, and it if there's mul- multiple individuals, they may have different temperaments and they may be hungry like you say. I mean, you know, you may run into a bear uh you know 10 times and in nine times the thing just looks at you and walks off. And in the 10th time it's it you know it feels threatened and it attacks you. So same kind of thing if, if Bigfoot creatures are real then certainly there's the potential for an individual to to you know be aggressive or to run into one of these at the wrong place at the wrong time and and suddenly uh, you find yourself being attacked and there there's a lot in, in fact I've been collecting I did a presentation recently on Bigfoot attacks um, the cases where it had been documented um, to a to one of these Bigfoot conventions and people really enjoyed it because you know you're like wow this is crazy you know you don't you don't hear about those as much but uh certainly there's there's some definitely chilling accounts
0: yeah um it's funny because the on the flip side of the coin uh you know i i enjoy listening to other shows and podcasts and you know, things like that. And, uh, you know, I've heard some of these stories about, you know, some of these Bigfoot stories on other shows, uh, you know, one in particular that (laughs) sort of makes you laugh, you know, uh, people are talking about trekking through the forest and feeling like something was following them, you know, and, uh, hearing noises and smells. And then the, the pinnacle of the story is that they turn and they see Bigfoot and he looks at him and smiles at him and then walks away. <laughs> that, was my, that was one of my favorites that I've heard. But, you know, uh, or, the, or there's another one uh, where somebody, you know, says Bigfoot comes to their, to the, out to their driveway frequently, you know, like, like all the time. So uh, I, th- I think that, uh, you know, like you said, this, uh, the Bigfoot, the myth is much bigger than maybe the real thing.
1: True. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, I mean, heck we, we may find one of these things and it is only five feet tall. You know, it, it could even, it could be something like that as well, where, you know, the mindset of it. And if you see something like, so startling and you, your estimation is seven or eight feet tall and in reality reality is often different. Um, you know, and we know that. So, it, it, it could be that it's real and the creatures are just like other animals. You know, some of them are aggressive. Some of them are friendly. Some of them are more intelligent than the, uh, more intelligent than the others. And, um, you know, that, that just makes it all the more real.
0: Yeah. Now, have you had the chance? You've spent a lot of time in the South doing research. But have you had the chance to get up to the Pacific Northwest where, you know, uh, the, the original or the, the most notable Bigfoot stories come from?
1: Uh, I've been in that area a number of times, but I haven't really had the opportunity to do any sort of extended uh, you know hikes up in in the uh, in the woods there. Uh, so, yeah, it's just kind of you know, people ask me about that. It's like there there's so much going on down here that um, you know keeps me busy enough. and I definitely would like to go up there and spend some time. It just seems like the schedule is always um too tight to be able to to afford any any extra leisure things or to go up there and usually i'd spend all my time working on stuff just just to write a book or to or for one of our films and um but yeah that's that's something i'd like to do but i uh, thus far i haven't been able to to do much investigation in that area
0: right now cryptozoology uh is bigger than just bigfoot Are there any other type of creatures that uh, you get reports on or or sort of strike you in a way that pique your interest that, hey, there's something real here uh, worth looking into?
1: Yeah, you know, I get a a wide variety of reports, uh, you know, from creatures seen in lakes uh, to reptilian-type humanoid creatures. Uh, I've gotten reports of pterosaur-like birds, like like. You know, dinosaur, essentially like leathery winged creatures, Um, you know, weirder things like that don't fall into any sort of category. So, yeah, I get a number of those. I've always been fascinated by these reptilian type uh, creature reports. I mean, one of my favorite movies is The Creature from the Black Lagoon. So, I don't know, something about that sort of Green swamp monster type thing. So anytime I get one of those, you know, I try to interview the the witness, and they're they're much few and far farther between than say a Bigfoot report. But uh, you know, in my book, Lizard Man: uh, The True Story of the Bishopville Monster, I talked about one of the most famous kind of reptilian lizard man type cases, which is from South Carolina, and in that case, basically, people said they were. Uh, almost like a, a modern creature from the black lagoon it was a area called or swamp and a lot of the locals there had reported sightings of this upright creature that was uh, maybe six or seven feet tall it appeared to be brownish or green and looked like it was covered in scales and you know kind of a pretty scary type of a uh, you know a report and you know, those fascinate me. Of course, once, once I had a book out on that and I appeared on a few TV shows talking about that, then I actually got a lot more reports, um, from around the country of people saying, yeah, I saw something similar over here in you know, so-and-so woods or whatever. And yeah, some scary stuff It's just some weird reports. And, uh, so I've always, always loved those. I like, uh, you know, I've had some reports of, of like, lake uh, lake creatures or uh, water creatures. Like, I went out to the Altaha, Altamaha River um, in Georgia, where they have reports of sort of their own little Loch Ness-type creature um, that goes back many years. So, those are those are fun to look into. Um, you know, I kind of get the chupacabra thing, but that's, that's a whole... Uh, yeah, that's a... You know, you got mangy dogs, and you've got what people reported in Puerto Rico of a much more bipedal, alien-looking thing. So occasionally, I get that, but I, I usually don't follow. Have time to follow up on those. It's mostly, Bigfoot, lake monsters, uh, lizard man, and. I love the pterosaur kind of dinosaur-like sightings because I always loved dinosaurs as a kid. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, I like those too. I've heard stories of you know the pterodactyl that somebody spotted over the sky. Those are fun. Uh, There seems to be a distinction, isn't there? You talk about reptilians, and uh, I know you've been on Coast to Coast AM, and and I've listened to you know many shows uh, or many episodes of that show where we're not really talking about like a scaly lizard, like man, like you're talking about Uh, people tend to think it's more of a shape shifting kind of creature, some sort of like almost paranormal thing.
1: Yeah. The reptilian thing definitely kind of crosses both those realms from paranormal to cryptozoology. So, you know, that, and, you know, obviously it's seems much more implausible to have biologically to have anything that's uh, maybe some hybrid between reptile and human or humanoid. It, you know, so you have to have extreme explanations for that. So for me, I, I kind of gravitate towards the ones that seem very, that seem more terrestrial or at least like a, some sort of a creature as opposed to, the more shape-shifting thing, uh, you know, that's kind of a whole other department of of this race of intelligent reptilians that may be infiltrating our government or what have you. And, right, and, right. You know, it, you know, that's very, I mean, that's spooky unto itself, but I, I guess I'm more of the monster guy and the monster in the woods or in the swamp and if people see him in those settings, then I kind of put it more in the category of, you know, this this seems like, some something more like a creature now if you know if somebody reports one in the white house that's definitely more of a you know that would be a, perhaps a, the alien race or whatever and, and the aliens don't seem to be doing any better at politics than we are so <laughs> and there, it's
0: funny you say that because uh one of my favorite reptilian uh stories is that uh queen elizabeth they say or somebody was saying was a reptilian and the way they knew this was that uh i guess that the casket that they prepare for for royalty was longer to to make room for the tail so uh that was their <laughs> basis for that which is uh <laughs> It's entertaining. It's definitely entertaining. But uh, yeah, you're right. They're, if uh, if the alien race has uh, invaded, they're they're not doing any better of a job on that end of things as far as running nice. the government. But um, so, what is your favorite? Now you're working on a new book that's coming out. Um, Momo is that is that right? Strange Case of the Missouri Monster.
1: Yeah, that's uh, coming out uh, March 5th, and that that'll that's my new book, and that's one. And that's another famous case from the early 70s, and one that is fairly famous because of how widely was covered in the news at the time, and it's been subsequently written about in other books. Um, and I, I had originally wanted to include that in my Beyond Boggy Creek book, but once I realized how much there was to that, I had to kind of narrow the scope, and I thought, well, the Momo story is there's more to it. And uh, so I thought it would make a great standalone book, So uh, that, you know, finally have, have completed that. I went to, up to Missouri and did, you know, went to the town where people had seen this and essentially um, this started also in 1972 where some people near the town of Louisiana, Missouri, which is right on the Mississippi river in kind of Missouri, uh, North central uh, Missouri or Northeast Missouri reported seeing this upright, Ape-like creature um, that was hairy. It had hair that covered its face. It was frightening, and a lot of the locals saw it. There was, you know, the the law uh, organized a posse and went in search of it in the woods up there. It was this whole thing going on, and uh, at the same time, people were seeing strange colored objects in the sky. Um, they were hearing disembodied voices there was all kinds of other strange stuff going on all at once when people were seeing this uh, creature and momo is short for missouri monster uh, mo being the abbreviation for missouri so momo and uh i just always love the story and uh, i think a lot of other people do so it's it's good timing and and uh, the book is coming out as well as that i'm i'm associated with uh a group of filmmakers called Small Town Monsters out of Ohio, and uh, I've worked with them on a number of documentary films, and this year we're doing one on Momo as well. So it's going to be a big year for Momo, and it's a, it's a great case and one that everybody's intrigued about. And usually when I write my books, I mean, when I go to the town and I talk to people and I start looking at, there, there's there's much more to the story that's ever been told. So my book kind of really goes into depth about that whole case and just sort of looks at the possibility of Bigfoot-like creatures in Missouri in general. And it's cool because it was on the Mississippi River, kind of Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer, you know, environment. And so it's a little bit of Americana in there, Midwest, and, and monsters. So it's, you know, it's a great story.
0: Yeah, it sounds good. It sounds uh, <clears throat> sounds a little bit different because of its location, uh, but big in the sense that you said law enforcement was involved. Is that something that you have come across? Uh, have you interviewed or have there been any law enforcement officers that have seen things? I, 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 you know, there's a lot of that happens in the UFO realm. You know, there's there are some cases where, you know, law enforcement has come forward and and corroborated that they, you know, they saw, you know, something strange too. Uh, has that happened in your research?
1: Yeah, definitely. From time to time, I get reports from, you know, people who have, are in law enforcement or have been. Usually, usually it's the ones that have retired that are now willing to tell the stories. I find that you're usually reluctant if, you know, if you're, you know, currently working in that field, it, it could be a problem if you start saying you saw something strange. A lot of times, um, the good reports come from a retired, you know, deputy or something. And, you know, but I've certainly had reports and talked to sheriffs in areas that have, you know, told me about some of their deputies having seen stuff or, or themselves having seen stuff. Um, you know, in 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 the case of these some of these older cases, and even in the case of the Lizard Man in 1988, uh, I think the law enforcement back then was more apt to take these things seriously. Not not necessarily they believed it was a monster quote unquote but they knew something was going on and they would organize posses and literally go out and search for it and the sheriff of lee county in south carolina was heavily involved in looking into this lizard man case and ha- i was given access to all the uh, official police documents when i was researching for that book wow uh, and in like in the case of momo i mean there's newspaper reports and pictures showing like the you know the, the wildlife officers and the and the uh, the chief of police and everybody going into the woods like with armed with armed with guns looking for a monster so it's just kind of mind blowing to think that that, yeah. that stuff has gone on but certainly it's it's always a you know it's always a better story if, if you got some you know the police involved and what have you and uh, there's even a lizard man sighting in in south texas uh, in which uh, one of the law, they got a report, uh, a call to 911 and dispatched an officer out there to go looking for this thing. And whatever it w- was, went in this abandoned house and he was, he was too frightened to even go in there, even armed. It just freaked him out. So, yeah, you know, there's some good stories. Yeah.
0: What is, uh, are there any stories that, um, someone close to you has, has experienced? I mean, you've got, uh, you know, you talk to a lot of these other people who are researching in this field, and, um, you know, are there any that uh, that stand out that you've heard sort of like third-hand?
1: Um, like people close to me that... Uh, third-hand, as in...
0: Yeah, someone that you know that, you know, where they were... S- <clears throat> you know, I guess everybody's serious about it, but, you know, there's a, there's a certain... I, th- I would think that there's a certain amount of, like... Uh, You know, concern in someone's voice if they've seen something like that that scared them, you know, that they're being authentic about. Have you, is there anyone that you personally know that has uh, claimed to see, you know, a Bigfoot up close?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a number of people um, that have, people that have either come, I've come to be friends with because of, me interviewing them about a sighting originally or, uh, colleagues of mine that, um, had a sighting that that's what kind of got them swept up in the whole Bigfoot research. Um, and yeah, those are always some of the best ones because these are people I've gotten to know, you know, over a span of years. And, you know, I can tell you that what they're telling you is, you know, we can't prove what they saw, but they're, they're, they absolutely saw something strange and said what they saw, said they saw.
0: Yeah. So, yeah,
1: yeah those, those are just there. And they kind of keep me going while I've never had a, you know, a definite sighting or whatever. I mean, uh, then, you know, you kind of have to rely on, you know, on, on that secondhand information to, you know, keep you kind of, you know, fueled up about it, um, and those there's some just the, the, th- some of these just haunt me because as I think about the subject, I kind of go, well, I don't know. I, you just kind of come back to those core sightings, which you know I could say maybe ten. I could boil it down to ten. If if all the even if all the others are BS, if these ten are real, then these ex- these creatures exist. And there's I got a good you know, at least 10 where I, I know the individuals and, and trust a hundred percent in what they've said.
0: Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you shared, you know, you've shared a couple of the, you know, the scary ones, uh, of your 10, what, what maybe give us a little taste of, uh, you know, a couple more of those core stories that, uh le- you lean towards believing in Bigfoot.
1: Uh, one of them, occurred in the 80s in Texas. And this is a guy I got to know uh, some years ago, um, and he had spent a lot of time <clears throat> in his more adult life looking into Bigfoot in an effort really to prove it because he had seen something when he was younger that just uh, shook him to the core. But it, but essentially, he was out on his grandmother's property in East Texas uh, when he was a teenager, and they were walking around looking for a place to picnic, and he kind of went off this little two rut uh, old four wheeler road or something, kind of looking around over there, and his grand, his uh, aunt and his grandmother and his brother were kind of left behind, and he heard something coming through the woods, and so he stopped. He's like, "Oh man, it's probably a big old deer," you know. So they just kind of sat there waiting because you know when you're a kid, you always want to see the deer. He said, but this thing kind of come out of the woods, <clears throat> and uh, he, he said it, at that point he realized, you know, th- this is not a deer. It was it was some hairy animal that was at first running on all fours, and as soon as it came out uh, in that little opening by the road, he said it saw him and stopped, and it stood up, and it was probably uh, 20 feet from him, and he said he's just looking at this thing it's looking at him you know and it's just a thousand things running through his mind he's he's you know looking at it close enough to get a good description and he said uh you know it was there for several seconds and then it turned and it just ran in the woods faster than anything he's ever seen and uh you know it was just one of those mind altering life altering situations where uh prior to that you know I'm not sure what he if he believed in bigfoot or not but it, it after that he certainly did and then he's spent a lot of years since trying to prove the creatures or, or see another one or whatever you know yeah. it, it'll change it literally will change your life and i could see within within him how much that is this that affected him and how much time and effort and money he'd put into this whole process of trying to see another one or prove it or what have you.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I would think that, uh, I mean, it's kind of similar to, you know, some of the people we've had on this show that talk about, you know, a ghost experience that they see something and then you almost want to, you almost have a hard time believing what you just saw because it's so, out there and it's so foreign, sort of like when you describe the, the hog farmer or the guy shooting at the hogs. I mean, you know, you just, you can't be prepared for something like that. And your mind just can't wrap itself around that this is actually happening. So I could see how that guy would, you know, want to almost validate in his own mind what he saw.
1: Yeah. I've seen that a number of times where people, you know, become um, maybe obsessed or maybe a stronger word, but yeah, just to, to try to validate and, you know, you know, they've told the story to numerous people over the years and most of them probably don't believe, believe them. So it becomes personal and, you know, and again, it's not like you can just go into the woods and conjure up a Bigfoot sighting. If you see it even once, in my opinion, you know, you you've drawn the lottery ticket because it's, it's very rare and infrequent, and just you got to be in the in a right place at the right time. And these people, you know, those are the ones out of these core. You know, there's another guy who, a very credible guy who I had originally interviewed. Uh, about a sighting and you know a lot of people in the town i said you gotta talk to this guy man he if there's one guy that we believe it's him and so of course i interviewed him and um just the circumstances of the sighting how close he was to it uh the location where it kind of rules out any any possibility of hoaxes um and i've since gotten to know this guy and you know it's kind of my number one you know, thing to me that says, man, I don't know what it is, but this, this is real because this guy, I have no doubt he saw what he said he saw and you just can't explain it. So, you know, there's, there's just a lot of those that, that uh, you come across as you continue to investigate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to mention if anybody's listening to this show uh, that has had some sort of experience seeing something like this uh definitely be sure to get in touch with us uh through the website or editor at spiritsandmoreradio.com definitely like to hear you know personal stories from the people uh you know that have been moved by something like this so um <clears throat> maybe you can uh you know for the people who are listening and I've sort of been uh, excited about this stuff and want to know more. Uh, Where can they get to the books you've written and, and other resources you might recommend?
1: Well, um, you know, You can obviously get my books on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com and all those sort of things. The best place really to find links to that is from my website at lyleblackburn.com. And it also links to my store where you can get autographed copies of the books and other things such as T-shirts and so forth. as far as uh, you know the obviously my books go into detail on a lot of these cases from my sort of objective view of it I'm not trying to I never try to sell anybody on the belief I just simply try to provide the facts and let let the readers you know make their own minds you know and, and do it in a in a uh, you know weave a good tale but do it factually based um, I'm also involved like I said in the small town monsters documentaries. And those are great ways to get a good overview of of a lot of these creatures. We've done uh, documentaries on the Boggy Creek Monster, the Mothman of Point Pleasant, the Bray Road Beast. Um, And you can see those uh, streaming from Amazon. Uh, Right now, a lot of them are streaming on Amazon Prime. So if you've got that, you can just literally get on there and watch it. Or you can buy it on iTunes and places like that, um, as well as on my (coughs) web store
0: so uh you mentioned people with Amazon Prime. what exactly would you search what do you what would you search up to get to that
1: uh I think if you would search small town monsters, it should bring up all their films okay uh, or you could search lyle Black, Lyle blackburn and it it should bring those up um so, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of information. If you go to lyleblackburn.com, you can see the ones that I've been involved in. And there's links from there, you know, literally to, you know, choose where you want to get it, Amazon, wherever. And so that's that's a good launch point. I've got a website called uh, falcmonster.net that if you want to know more about some of these recent sightings of the Boggy Creek creatures, uh, you can jump off from my website to that. So, yeah, just hit lyleblackburn.com.
0: Yeah, sound, sounds like a good spot to go to for this sort of thing. Uh, is there um, any like opportunities to meet you in person? I think on your website, I saw that sometimes you do some of these conventions and things. Anything coming up?
1: Uh, yeah, I do quite a bit of these uh, each year. I mean, it seems to be more and more events that are uh, you know, Bigfoot conferences, cryptozoology conferences, and I appear at a lot of libraries and sometimes bookstores but uh yeah i've got a on my website i list a number like uh in a couple of weeks i'm going to be at the museum of natural resources in arkansas oklahoma bigfoot symposium in march uh, uh i'll be out at the expedition bigfoot museum in georgia march 16th um a number of libraries in texas um man there's there's this whole bit list so yeah i hit my website and i you know i've appeared at all points around the country. So if I'm in your area, definitely uh, look up some of these events and come out and say hi.
0: Yeah. Sounds like an excellent way to uh, share a quick story and and hear some more and, and uh, explore more of the, the Bigfoot phenomenon. So, Uh, well, Lyle, thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, I think it was really cool. There's some really neat stories you shared and I appreciate that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, anyone who's listening, you know, hit up, uh, Lyle's website and, uh, get more there that it's definitely, um, probably the most information you're going to find. I'm just, I'm on your website right now and you've got a long list of links here that people can take off on and go explore I'm sure all night long so (laughs) and and if you're if you're camping you got to wear the gopro right because it seems like you wouldn't have you know with a you know these days with all the technology I mean if you go camping you got to put on the gopro in case you you do see bigfoot right
1: oh yeah you want to look legit you got to have that on so yeah (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right. Uh, This is uh, episode 27. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, Thanks for listening to Spirits and More Radio, and we'll be back with another episode soon.